Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. It is Friday, August 12th at 2.22 p.m. Um, I made a couple adjustments after, after uh, uh, talking to you guys a little bit on Twitter. Uh, just getting a little bit tightened up, literally and figuratively. But uh, this is kind of the new look for the QuickCast. I've, I've swapped out some equipment and um, ready to go. I don't know if it matters to you, but this is stuff that I kind of take as a big deal. It's been important to me to give clear picture and clear audio. I hope I do that for you. Uh, sometimes it's a struggle, but uh, I consider it really important. But uh, before I get too far into the quick cast, I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about injuries, a little bit about guys that are showing up a little bit that are new, and uh, some question marks that we got coming out of the last practices um, that are actually covered by the media. Um, but before I do it, let me mention our sponsors. And right now, I'm going to be real honest, I really don't know if Gridiron Metalworks is a sponsor anymore. Um, they, uh, some things have changed at Gridiron Metalworks. I can't really get into it too much. So I don't know if they're a sponsor anymore. But I'm still going to mention Gridiron Metalworks because their founder, Derek, is a good dude. And so uh, Gridiron Metalworks was a sponsor last season. The way we do it, we roll it into the next season um, during the live times. That's about to start. So I'll mention them, Gridiron Metalworks. But uh, the two sponsors I'm pretty sure are going to be here for us with this season. We haven't really, we don't take things too formally. Of course, though, are AJ's, eatajs.com, just off campus. Want to get a bite to eat? You know where to go. Uh, head over there, get a pint, uh, get a burger, get some uh, Italian beef. And then, of course, um, Martin Vintage, martinvintage.com. Enter Boiled at checkout for 15% off. I guarantee you they'll have some new products coming out. Every football season, they tend to bring something. So I would look for that. Uh, I don't have any privy. I'm not privy to any information at this point, but I would bet something is coming soon. So let me dig in a little bit. After I talked to you guys last, and I mentioned the strength of the tight ends, the tight end tandem specifically of Payne Durham and Garrett Miller, right after I mentioned that, of course, uh, Garrett Miller promptly was injured. And I think it was literally within an hour or something like that, that that happened. That's obviously horrible news. Garrett Miller uh, was an ACL that, that took him down. Um, he's out for the season. He need, he. I don't think he's had a surgery yet, but it's coming if you don't know. Uh, most of the times with the ACL, they'll wait until the swelling goes down before the surgery. And uh, so Garrett Miller's out for the season. I also mentioned the depth of the defensive line. Uh, well, there was a major injury there. Uh, DeMar J. Lewis, the transfer from IU, went down with an ankle. He was taken out uh, in an ambulance. Um, and he also needs surgery. His season is pretty much over, I believe. I think it's a tough one to recover from, based on what I hear. Um, there's also news just recently. Joe Strickland, uh, the incoming freshman, the four-star recruit from Indianapolis. Um, he has mono. Not nearly as major as uh, Demar J. Lewis and uh, Miller, but he's got mono, so he's out for for a couple weeks. Um, I wasn't expecting that, and I, maybe I'm uh, not being fair, fair to Joe, but I really wasn't expecting a ton from him just because there's so much depth depth in the defensive uh, trenches, uh, specifically defensive end tackle. I just thought there was a, a lot of reason to believe they wouldn't have to lean on him. So, um, but he'll get some weeks to recover just because the, the necessity of the, of the, the roster not putting pressure on him. Um, of course, Jalen Graham, uh, he <laughs> tweaked his hams, hamstring, not a big deal, but he went off kind of limping off on practice. Um, and I've got one more, uh, actually, I think there's two more injuries to report that I don't think are really injuries anymore. Actually, just one. I'm just going to talk about Travis, uh, pardon me, uh, Corey Trice. 
Corey Trice, um, uh, he's easing back into practice after last season's uh, season-ending knee problem. But uh, supposedly he's doing well. He's moving well, getting better every day. But they're not pressing him hard because they don't need to. So that's good news. So let's look first at the, the, the effect of Garrett Miller's injury on that tight end duo because now it's cut in half and Payne Durham um, is not Superman. He's not going to be able to do it on his own. And I mentioned Paul Pifferi because uh, Piffery, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, Pifferi, Piffery, it's probably Piffery, uh, but uh, he used to be a quarterback. If you don't know his history, he's a big guy, he's 6'4". He played tight end last year. He started easing into the position uh, like two years ago, putting on weight to look the part. From every account, he's been in a great uh, <clears throat> pupil in this new position. But <clears throat> uh, Piffery is going to have an important role because um, – He's, he's going to be spelling Payne Durham. And he had a touchdown last year towards the end of the season, I think versus IU. But he had a touchdown last year, and he had a couple catches as well. He looked the part. He looks like he can run a route. He can hold his block pretty well. And he's, he's learning from one of the best in Payne Durham. Durham has, has had issues with injury in the past, but generally he's been durable and he plays through them. Uh, but these guys are important just because I, I really think these are going to be the guys that O'Connell looks to throw to, when things get a little bit dicey, um, it's always good to have uh, a tight end handy and, and you can you can uh, dump it off to him. So I'm looking for big things still. And I, I actually, just because of the past of what's happened at the tight end position under Brom, I just expect uh, Piffery to do some big things. And behind him, you've got a, you're going to have a battle with... Uh, freshman, and I think there's a walk-on in there, and I think they're going to move one or two guys. They haven't really talked about it too much, but I think they're going to give uh, a bit of a tryout there to see if any of those uh, any of these young guys can step into the role. Could be interesting. Could be something to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, Michael Hogg says, how am I doing? Great. How are you today, sir? Glad, to, glad you're tuned in. Todd Singer's here, too. Um, uh, he says, good news. Sounds like Antonio Stevens is healthy. It's all, all good. And Big Time Boiler says, Finally made it live. You're on the big time, and you get a mention right away. So that's uh, that's excellent. And I don't know if it, I, I think the big time boiler is formerly known or also known as Big Time at Six Nine. He could tell me that, and that's my pal Grant. So um, if that's who it is, so that's great. I've actually met him in three dimensions. I met a couple of you guys. Um, also met Michael, and uh, always good to see you guys out at games. Hope to see you this fall. Um, anyway. So let's talk a little bit about some other things that are interesting to me. Let's let's first talk about something, kind of an overarching theme in Purdue football, and that is the information coming out of camp and coming out of the program during the Jeff Brom era has been slow to flow out, to say the least, right? Brom holds in information. He he controls the program and the, the way things are released often to the um, – it makes, to the chagrin of Purdue fans, many fans don't like it. I'm one of those people I'd love to hear more, of course, because I always look forward to football season. And when camp rolls around, you know, the media is doing their best, the guys who are actually covering it. And then I'm reacting to what I'm hearing from the media. And there's just not a lot. And next week, it will get even more quiet because there won't be any media in the practices. The open practices are closed. So, but let me look at a couple guys that I keep hearing the name of and I wanted to, and, and granted, these names are being released intentionally by the coaches or they're just the first guys the coaches are thinking of and I wanted to, to address that. One of them um, 
is Nick Carraway. He's a freshman from, is a defensive end from Texas. He looks the part. He's a guy that I thought might make impact anyway, and coaches have, been, have mentioned him a bit. Um, I think they're mentioning him as much as anything based on his potential, but he's a guy that I would keep an eye on because Purdue really needs a speed rusher. They've got guys that can play defensive end and hold down the edge, but not a lot of guys that are speed rushers. So Caraway might step in right away and play a significant role. I think he's 6'4 and 260, so he's prototypical. He's what you want for that speed rusher. Um, and if you've seen pictures of him, he looks like a beast. So that's cool. Um, another guy that I've heard about multiple times with the best name on the team, maybe this, maybe the you can vote, uh, you can sound off. But Scotty Humpich. Uh, Humpich is a Murray State transfer, and the coaches love him. Uh, it sounds like he's a guy that just he plays hard all the time. He's made a big impact, ton of energy. Um, so that's that's really cool. Another thing that I thought was really cool, Humpich, uh, a guy that with the with the way he's flying around the field is making a big difference. But um, another guy that sounds like making a lot of difference on the field just with his energy level um, is J- before Jalen Graham went down. And I told you how much, uh, how highly I think of him, but Jalen Graham uh, is playing at another level, and that's according to Cam Allen, uh, the uh, the free safety. But he said the things that Graham does just in practice are really incredible, and the things Graham did in games were really credible. I, incredible. I mentioned that the other day. So um, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, big time. Boiler says Paul. But, Piffery's gonna have a, a big time year. I think he's gonna have a. I think he's gonna have a huge year. I think he's gonna he's gonna be extremely important. One thing that's good. So we there's been some injuries, obviously, but one thing that's really good. It's been relatively quiet on the offensive side. We haven't heard anything negative or bad about the quarterback battle or anything like that, which tells me okay, all's good uh, on that front. And um, it it seems like uh, you want it to be quiet. That's the other thing. That like the negatives and the positives. You kind of want camp to be quiet couple people on Twitter, um, I don't know if they were being, uh, you know, uh, chicken littles and saying the sky is falling, but they're like, oh, every year, here come the injuries, it's Purdue camp. I, I don't think this is a Purdue thing. I don't think this is something you'd say this re- is reserved just for Purdue and Purdue fans and the Purdue program. In fact, football is a pretty tough sport. Uh, many of you who are on this thread have gone through two-a-days in high school and uh, maybe some of you even played, you know, walk-on Football at small college. You know football is a tough sport. I know football is a tough sport. I played very little bit, but I can tell you I was dinged up. One thing that I always had happened, I would get so depleted during uh, two-a-days that I would wake up in the middle of the night with these Charlie horse cramps in different places in my body. Whether it was my hand, like doing this, or my foot would cramp at night. And if you've ever had that, it's awful. Um, it's nothing like getting injured and getting pounded on like these guys are, but it's just kind of a, a sign of how hard this sport is and how hard camp is, how hard two-a-days are, whatever. Uh, it's a brutal sport, and uh, I love the sport. I love seeing these guys do superhuman things that I can't do and could never do, but it's also one that we got we to gotta be kind of aware that injury is always peeking around the corner, and it sucks, and um, it's the worst part of football, but it's also something that's always there. Um, anyway, Zachary Young, thank you for the, um, thank you for the, the optimism. Uh, he says 12 and oh, and okay, cool. Uh, that's, that's very optimistic. I think my nine or 10 wins is very optimistic as well, but I think it's realistic. I think it could happen. 12 wins. All right, let's go. 
I love optimism. Let's get after it. Um, let's talk about a couple more things that are interesting stories. Uh, we talked a little bit about the linebackers and how important they're going to be um, and the development of the linebacker core because there's some question marks there. But if you look at one thing that's really interesting, um, and Golden Black talked about this, was that Fasiecki and uh, Douglas are two of the most experienced linebackers in America. You've got a seventh-year guy and a six-year guy. So Fasiecki... Um, Seventh-year guy, when he started Purdue, Daryl Hazel was still coach. When he started Purdue, uh, there were no lights in Ross-Aid. Okay, so that's that's super interesting to me. Um, it'd be great if he could stay healthy. It, that'd be great for the linebacker core. Obviously, Douglas uh, was, was solid last year. If he can stay healthy, it's also good. And Jalen Graham. After that, um, you've got, I think, probably Wahlberg and Brothers are two guys that are going to be really important. They're probably the two guys that I look at that would need to make the big jump. Like if you're going to have that core really, really do damage and be very, very important, it's going to be those two guys, I would think, or two guys plus maybe another couple that should should make that jump. Both Wahlberg and Brothers are playing special teams. That's kind of a, it's an honor and it's a tough thing. This Purdue coaching staff starting, I think, two years ago said we're going to put starter type guys on special teams and the reason they're doing that is because they're sure tacklers they're just better football iq guys they understand where everything is so those guys are going to be important um, another thing that i thought was really really interesting and i talked about running backs the other day uh, i talked about kangaroo pardon me king daru um, love king uh king but at the same time i said they're going to need a guy with that who's a home run hitter there's a lot of interesting debate on golden black a lot of fans really divided on um, how how good of a player King Daru is. And I hope everyone out there understands that I'm not disparaging King Daru at all. King Daru has done everything he possibly could in the situations that he's had. He's had to run behind offensive lines that were dinged up or had a bunch of guys being thrust into duty. Um, there's been some, uh, let's, uh, let's be questionable play calling when it comes to the running game, meaning some things where you're like, okay, this is not a situation where any running back could succeed. Um, but Daru and Horvath both did a pretty good job in their situations they've had the last couple of years, and we kept waiting for people to come in to help them, dispel them a little bit, and one of those guys was um, the transfer Downing. Uh, Downing, interesting enough, has lost about 20 pounds. He's 17 pounds lighter, according to what he was listed at last year and his own words. That's a big deal. Now, how he did it, uh, guys like me, maybe guys who enjoy eating a little bit may take a note, he cut out fried food, he cut out beef, and he started cooking for himself at home. And I think he said he cut out Panda Express. I don't know if that's a, uh, a guilty pleasure for you. I don't think of that as a bad one, but he said he orange chicken was his thing. Uh, deep fried chicken with an orange glaze. Probably not the best option. He get some grilled chicken in there. But even then, I was like, man, that doesn't sound horrible, but I'm a 47-year-old fat guy. So... Um, but that was interesting to see that, that Downing is really taking uh, his, his role very, very seriously enough that he's been, he's been working hard to lose weight. And he looks different in the face already. I haven't seen him really run. Um, Lewis had a big play the other day where he broke loose. But the, all reports are talking about um, Lewis is uh, rusty at best. Remember, it's been two years since he's played or a year and a half or I think it's nearly two years since he's played. So he's going to be rusty. Another interesting report I thought was that Charlie Jones, the Iowa transfer, who um, is going to be primarily a special teams weapon, is also um, mixing in with the ones in the drills, um, and he's been looking really good. Sure-handed, and uh, Brom likes what he sees out of him. That's nothing but positive. 
And that was something I thought we might want to talk about. Of course, Tracy and Jones, the, the um, two guys from Iowa that I think are going to be extremely important. I didn't really mention them by name the other day because I, I didn't want to talk about transfers. I wanted to talk about what was already here. And I'm excited about this wide receiver group. And if you ask why I'm excited about this wide receiver group, let's just think back again. And we can go back over the last two years. How many of this, times did this happen where a guy was, it was his day, meaning somebody gets hurt, somebody gets uh, double team, triple team, and then you have a guy rise to the occasion and have 180 to 200 yards receiving in a game. It happens over and over and over. And that really speaks again to the preparation these coaches do with that wide receiver core. And that's why I'm so excited about these wide receivers. I think there's a ton of talent there. I think these guys are all guys that um, they're not flukish type players where you're like, okay, they can, you know, they're really fast, but they can't catch or, um, uh, or they're, they're project type guys. These are skilled wide receivers. There's just a lot of guys in that room that I have a lot of faith in for stepping up. Uh, but you can you can sound off in the comments below or in the margin and um, and tell me who your guy is going to be the big receiver who steps up who's going to be the number one for me uh, like I said I think I said this the other day I think it, it probably Tracy maybe you seen two guys that I'm really interested in but I also like um, uh, I, I also like Rice a lot. Um, I like all of them. Uh, I think that's a great receiving room still, even though there's no, the thing they're missing for the first time in three, four years, right, is there's no sizzle of the superstar, right? Uh, there's no more. There's no, um, uh, there's no bell and there's no Wright. Remember, Wright was a very highly touted recruit and it wasn't a fluke that he got on and played very well, but um, they, they'll miss that. But at the same time, I think there's going to be a superstar emerge, an all Big Ten type guy will emerge from Purdue's wide receiver room. Um, and speaking of more, this is an interesting note. It's really nothing but a beauty uh, contest or a beauty pageant. Um, it's not, not too quantifiable, but it's interesting nonetheless. ESPN put out an all-time, uh, a list of all-time true freshmen. And interestingly enough, three Jeff Brom players popped up on that list. They were all in the, I believe, I believe Moore was the highest ranked in like the mid-30s. But uh, Bell and Karloftis were both in the high 40s. Uh, that's really cool. I think if nothing else, seeing the um, recognition is a big deal. I wonder, I wonder if there's going to be a freshman this year that is an impact type guy. There really, there really wasn't one last year. Tell me if I'm wrong. You guys can tell me. But my, my brain's telling me there wasn't one last year. And so it'd be nice to see one. Maybe it's Caraway. Who knows? And like I said, the um, in the running back side, Purdue and Jeff Brom have also done really, really well with with uh, walk-ons and former walk-ons. And uh, Maccabee might be, might be that guy this season. I'm going to read a couple questions because thanks, you guys are, I guess Friday is not a big work day for you because a lot of comments. Looks like there are a lot of people on here, which is great to see. But I'll see if I can. Uh, Todd Singer, always with the good comments. He says, Colin Sullivan is having a good camp. Yes, Colin Sullivan's a guy that... I thought might emerge a little bit more last year. And it maybe this is his year. Um, it's great to hear that. Uh, Dion Burks has been getting a lot of mentions because of his speed. I think Steptoe and Burks are very similar guys in that they're small, very, very agile guys. I think Steptoe might be a little bit bigger of a guy, meaning uh, more weight in a small space um, than uh, Burks. But Burks impressed me, honestly, in the spring game a little bit. Just watching, was it spring game? I think it was spring game. I was just watching him run routes. He didn't do much in a productivity standpoint, but he's quick. He's extremely quick. Uh, changes direction well. 
Um, tons of potential there. So that's a good comment. Uh, Greg McManus says, King is a worker, works through adversity on and off the field. Exactly, Greg. And this is why I, um, I appreciate King for a lot of reasons. If you guys don't know, he lost his brother in the offseason. Uh, super sad situation. He's had other things that he's had to deal with. And he's, he is a lunch pail guy. I've got nothing respect, but respect for, for King. And I'm glad he's a Boilermaker. And I think he's going to be the one. It sounds like Golden Black really reinforced that, um, that he's going to be the one, um, meaning the number one running back. He comes to work. He does his job. He's good at it. Um, he can do a lot of different things. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a decent blocker. His, his, his vision, like I told you the other day, is excellent. Um, he's got high football IQ. I just think if you could have somebody, a one-two punch, you know, they, they did that a bit with Horvath because he was such a different type of guy. But don't let's not forget, Horvath was faster than Daru. He even meant it. Daru mentioned it. And I think that speaks a lot to Horvath's athleticism that's getting mentioned from the Chargers right now, which is pretty awesome out of camp. Uh, the Chargers keep talking about Horvath as a, as a free agent signing. He's getting a lot of mentions, which is really great to see. Um, let's see if there's anybody else here. Um, Greg McManus, another comment. Uh, no sizzle wide receiver means early opponents will be taken slightly off guard. And I think you're exactly right. I, I think someone's going to get hit hard in the mouth by these receivers. Let's not forget, which I know none of you guys here will forget, the guy who's distributing the ball is incredibly accurate. Very interesting stat I saw on uh, the knucklehead board the other day. I've been kind of uh, laying in the weeds over there a little bit. But somebody mentioned a stat that um, – when O'Connell was targeting Bell last year, he completed just under 72% of his passes. When O'Connell was targeting people not named Bell in this wide receiving group, he completed 73% of his passes. This receiving core will get reps. They're going to catch the ball. There's going to be opportunity for one of these guys to go off, maybe for a 200-yard game, get everybody's attention. When they do that, when they start drawing doubles, somebody else gets loose, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, Let's see, before I, before I end, um, uh, Big Time says, uh, Charlie Jones is my favorite guy this year, 750 yards receiving seven TDs. Well, I'll take 750 and seven. That'd be pretty great. And he's probably going to have one or two more touchdowns on special teams. That sounds pretty awesome. I'll, uh, that's, a, that's a good prediction. Let's go with that. I, I think it sounds really, really good. Um, let's see. I think we are wise to Wisconsin. Okay. Theodore Berkey with some optimism. If I'm if I'm reading this correctly, and I think I'm jumping in the middle of the thread they were talking, but uh, I think we we get wise to Wisconsin uh, and they. Oh, I think we. Sorry, I can't get it. I think what he's saying is that because I'm sorry, I, I can't do two things at once, and I'm trying to. Um, but but I think he is saying that Wisconsin is is always a place where Purdue might stub their toe. Um, I don't think, and I don't mean to sound like a pessimist. I've been pretty optimistic. I think you guys would agree with that. But I don't think it's pessimistic to say Purdue probably will lose to Wisconsin on the road. I mean, dagnabbit. This, this is generational ineptitude versus one program. It's sad and it stinks. Because Wisconsin has been good, but not this good. My gosh. The good news is sports are like this, right? Sometimes you know teams just kind of own a team for a while, and then it switches, and then it switches back a big swing. Back before Alvarez came to Wisconsin, Wisconsin never beat Purdue. Never. Okay, I know it's an ancient history, especially for a lot of you guys, but I remember when Alvarez was hired. 
Um, I remember when Purdue beat the hell out of Wisconsin for, I think, a, a homecoming game, and then Wisconsin paid them back, I think, two years later when Alvarez's team was kind of rolling along and they beat up on Purdue at a Purdue homecoming. Granted, that was a bad Purdue team, but now Wisconsin has Purdue's number, and it doesn't matter who's coach, they beat Purdue. It's got to change. And you got to believe with Jeff Brom at coach, he'll find a way eventually. The only problem is, is this is clearly a matchup issue with a style of play, and that's the same thing with Minnesota. A run first team with very, very big guys in the trenches tend to punch Purdue in the mouth, and they don't have much they can do about it. I do think, though, and I said this the other day, that these guys in the trenches on offense and defense are a little bit different at Purdue this year. There is more size than we are used to seeing in the defensive line and the offensive line this year. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see. It's been a while since we've seen bodies that big on both sides of the ball with depth to go along with it. Um, yeah, Todd Singer says he remembers those days. Yeah, I remember that was back when the old Wisconsin W was just a block. It didn't have the swoop. And then Alvarez brought the swoop, and all of a sudden that W became the side of winning. Um, and, man, they won a lot. So all I'm asking, I have these little dreams. All I'm asking is, is for Jeff Brom to become Purdue's Barry Alvarez. Yeah, that's it. Just a program-changing guy that takes him to the Rose Bowl over and over, takes him to, uh, to uh, national uh, noteworthiness, and um, a guy that, that changes the trajectory of the program. And you could argue, argue he's already done a lot to dig him out of the hole that we hear, but I always joke about that. Why can't Purdue have an Alvarez-type guy who just says, yeah, this is where I'm going to be, and then later, Jeff Brom can become athletic director. Sure, let's, let's go with that. Let's, let's try that. We are well over 20 minutes or 25 minutes. It's uh, been a pleasure interacting with you guys that are here live. That's awesome to see. And, um, uh, and those of you are watching, listening, recording, uh, appreciate you as well. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, Martin Vintage and AJ's and maybe Gridiron Metalworks. Um, and uh, appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great weekend. Hammer down. I think the weather is beautiful in central Indiana. So if you're nearby, enjoy the weather, get out a little bit, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye-bye.